0: Hello, I'm Megan Mitchell, and welcome to the BAFTA Cymru Awards The Sessions, creating a successful short. This virtual series celebrates the nominees from this year's BAFTA Cymru Awards. A bit of housekeeping before we start. Closed caption is available now, which you can turn on at the bottom of your screen via the CC button. You can join the conversation across social media using the hashtag CymruAwards, Awards. And if you have any questions for our filmmakers tonight, you can use the Q&A function, which will be open throughout the session and we'll be answering later on. I'm lucky enough to be joined tonight by Alice McKee, Lindsay Walker, Rhys Mac Jones, Tina Pastora and Alice Lusher. And so we're joined by the filmmakers tonight. We're really lucky to be able to peek behind the creative curtain. So I'd like to invite all the filmmakers to just Turn their cameras on and we can begin. And I want to start, I guess, from the start. How did you all get into filmmaking? Alice, I wonder if we can kick off with you?
1: Um, uh, Yeah, Um, I was always interested in filmmaking um, and I didn't really think I would ever have like an opportunity to really work in it um, because I just thought that was like a pipe dream. but then I was really lucky to um, have a few internships. And then I actually uh, worked for the other Alice on the school uh, for like two and a half years at Yaya Productions. Um, And that was like uh, the most like amazing like film school experience basically. I got thrown in the deep end of like loads of different um, kinds of filmmaking, so yeah. Great, and
0: other Alice, I wonder how you got into this career? Uh, yeah, the same. I, was, I grew up without TV, so I was
2: kind of intrigued <laughs> as to what film uh, and TV was all about, but I started out in um, a really boring way, started out as a runner at a production company, worked my way up, got made redundant, then went freelance and kind of worked my way through production up to what I'm doing now.
0: And Tina, I wonder, seeing as uh, Lisa your collaborator, if your pathway mirrors hers?
3: No, quite the opposite, actually. So mine wasn't as kind of straight laced in some ways. I kind of had a bit more of a, I don't know, yeah, unconventional approach, I guess, in that there wasn't any kind of film school or, or kind of going into production companies as such. It was more led by kind of having ideas that weren't even necessarily like solid, but like fragments of ideas that just kind of manifested into film by just kind of hustling and meeting different people and just going, I've got an idea, will you like help me out type thing? So I'd say that was kind of more the start off really. Thank you.
0: And Reese, were you hustling into the film sector?
4: Uh, no, I was more like, um, I was like kind of like a, of a film nerd growing up. But it took me a lot long time to really get the confidence where I think I could do it really. So I kind of went off to university and ended up uh, dropping out in order to go to film school um, and then just kind of kept on making shorts, sort of, you know, terrible shorts for a long, long time until finally I sort of make, made stuff that I started liking more than I didn't. And then, you know, that kind of route basically. Perfect. And Lindsay, how
0: about you?
5: Uh, yeah. Pretty much the same, really, just um constantly making sort of short films and music videos, trying to get kind of uh, <clears throat> a foot in the door somewhere but with a portfolio. um I did go to film school, I started out as a photographer and just loved the kind of storytelling element, so it translated into filmmaking um but yeah, the same same kind of path really, just persistence and making making my own stuff.
0: Wonderful and so you've all been nominated with your wonderful shorts and I wonder if you could each talk a bit about what made you decide to make these specific shorts and how you came up with the ideas Lindsay I wonder if you want to start us off
5: yeah the um idea for the Welshman actually came um from the producer and my partner uh Enhi it's uh is her father and um I, I didn't know anything about Welsh history prior to, to meeting him and hearing you know his story but it just kind of came organically you know she'd asked you know would you just capture him telling you know some of his stories so that I can keep something so that she you know she had you know this memory of him but on on camera and then when he was talking I was just like wow you know some of the stories that were that were coming out and just his way you know such a great character that it kind of um it kind of developed into the film that it is it just just needed to be told a bit more cinematically I think so yeah
0: it's a great story to have such a personal connection to and um Tina and Alice I wonder if you could talk a bit about being a creative duo and how this idea came about
2: I think Tina should answer that
3: (laughs) okay cool thank you Alice um I guess it's quite um it's personal for different reasons and um Yeah, I guess I, you know, in terms of kind of the collaborative process with Alice, um, we'd kind of briefly worked, well, not briefly, quite intensely on another short dance film, which was a random act short. And in that kind of process of collaboration, uh, it kind of formed as Alice and I just kind of being sat together, kind of like speaking out loud, Alice is a bit like the grammar police as well. She's really on it with kind of like structure and like sentence construction, et cetera. So it was more of that kind of pieced in together. But yeah, the narrative's super personal. Um, it's a story that is familiar for family members and women that I've met in life along the way and continues to be one that is really prevalent. So yeah, Alice, do you want to kick in?
2: No, but it was it was just a chat between between us and I kind of see myself as just, I was, you know, we were just uh, friends first and foremost that decided to make a, a film together and so it was about finding the best way to do that, I think.
0: That's wonderful. And Reese, I wonder what compelled you to make Father of the Bride.
4: Um, yeah, so it was like, it was kind of in the wake of the Me Too movement really, like, um, I was invited to a uh, like a black tie event, like a film kind of uh, event as like a scholar when I was on film school, and um, one of the speeches that was made that night was made by uh, Kevin Spacey, um, and he was like really charming. Everyone was out like, on their feet taking photos and everything, and like. Um... But the next day, uh, two days later, I think it was Anthony Rapp's allegations came out against him, and I got kind of interested in this uh, kind of dichotomy between the kind of personal, well, you know the. The, um, the kind of public persona of someone the kind of private beneath that um, but I didn't really want to tackle this subject as head-on as that so I kind of I'd just been the best man at my own brother's wedding and I began to think about the idea of you know how imagine if this was to happen in a family dynamic and the kind of power shifts that would happen so it was kind of like an amalgamation of two life events that happened like very close to each other and I kind of just mashed them together um, to try and make a point really.
0: Some of the best shorts come from those experiences. And Alice, when it comes to The Nest, which again touches um, on similar themes of men and how they deal with issues that are perhaps not often spoke about, I wonder if you could talk a bit about how you came to this community and how you chose the specific members that you ended up working with? Uh,
1: Yeah, so actually um, I was connected to the story through someone else. I did this through It's My Shout and the original idea I pitched tried quite dramatically <laughs> fell through um, which was really sad but then It's My Shout thought I would be interested in this because it was about mental health and my other thing had kind of been about mental health um, and um, yeah I was kind of drawn to it just because um, you know like I'm a young woman uh, who's got uh, my own experiences of the old mental health um, and there's experiences kind of mirrored mine in a lot of ways, even though they're senior blokes. um, uh, So yeah, I was just really interested in that and um, that kind of like common thread between us um, uh, and how they coped with it, which was quite dramatically different to like me and my female friends. So yeah, it was just really fascinating. Oh, and the contributors, sorry, I completely forgot the second part of your question. the contributors, like honestly, they were all just so funny um, <laughs> and um, interesting, and had such great stories that it was kind of like we were spoiled for choice. And to be honest, I didn't really pick people; I kind of filmed with everyone. I wasn't very like exclusive. <laughs> um, I really like ran up my filming time, but yeah, um, <laughs> they were all just brilliant.
0: And Lindsay, The Welshman is a documentary of sorts in a similar vein, but with your ethereal score and the misty landscape and the flashbacks to younger Owen, it gives almost this myth-like folklore kind of feel. And I was wondering, was this intentional and what inspired this um, style and choice of filmmaking for a documentary?
5: Um, Yeah, that that was intentional just to kind of get a feeling of... um... I guess, being a Celt across, you know, being Welsh and um, kind of showing our our land and stuff as well. I mean, being in the industry, the amount of times I've heard, you know, I live on Anglesey and sort of, um, it's like, oh, can you just nip down to Cardiff? You know, it's like, you know, Wales is massive, you know, in that respect. So to kind of get that across as well was important. Um, and yet, and to also tell it, like I said earlier, cinematically was important. I just think um, it's crying out for... Um, that kind of visual, definitely. Um, and then when it came to the the soundtrack and the score, it was to just enhance all of those images to just really give it that kind of uh, emotional Celtic kind of feel.
0: <clears throat> and that definitely comes through. And similarly with I Choose and this type of um, visual style um, to tell Rufy's story, Tina and Alice, I was wondering if you'd talk about the decision to use this type of filmmaking style and how that changed your approach and um, preparation and in the narrative and in the filming of the film.
3: Yeah, I guess I was quite fortunate in that because my kind of creative practice crosses different disciplines um, I'd actually secured some funding through the British Council to go to India um, and that was actually for another project. Um, but it was kind of like that approach of thinking, okay, it's for another project. But from kind of like an archival kind of perspective, there was there was kind of footage and things I wanted to capture um, that I thought could also lean into I Choose. And, and obviously, it's a bit of a gamble because at that stage, you know, it that was kind of independent of my practice and not necessarily linked to the production of I Choose really, because it was separate. So it's always um, quite satisfying when something kind of works. And I think because movement and dance is quite um, integral to my practice, um, it was just really, yeah, just super satisfying when you can see kind of choreographically how a scene scene can kind of cut together with the merging of that footage. And I think, yeah, I suppose stylistically, um, For me, um, within kind of like the filmmaking process, I've always been quite drawn to image and it usually starts off with an image and how that can kind of expand out. So yeah, I think I've got quite a particular visual sensibility that I'm attracted to. Similarly, the color palette was inspired by um, an image, a photograph by a guy called Raghu Singh. um, And it was the color palette within that that really then kind of tonally, was um, kind of utilised throughout with like the costume designers and the production designer and then when we then went into the grade as well. So, yeah.
0: And what was the process of finding your actress for Rupee, Alice, do you want to jump in? I think Alice has had a power cut. Oh no, she's back. I'm
2: back. I have had a power cut and it keeps tripping out for some reason. But if I disappear, I apologize. But um but yeah, we um I we basically got in contact with the casting director I know who sent us, who's very kindly sent us a very long list for everyone for the spotlight, but we just we just sat, didn't we, Tina, through lots and lots and lots and lots of showreels and, and whittled it down and it was about finding the right person connected with the story and it was you know there's always an option to try and attach you know diff- there's lots of different w- options when you're when you're casting um but yeah we we met a couple of actresses in london and it wasn't like a traditional audition we didn't read we just went and had coffee and sat and chatted about the story um and it kind of grew from there we met Yaz that day didn't we um and yeah all all just you
0: know she felt like the right person Right. And Reese, um, the protagonist and antagonist in your short, are just almost perfectly suited for those roles. I wonder how you went about casting those guys.
4: Yeah, I got. I think I got a bit lucky, to be honest. Like, um, I had two really good casting directors on it, and um, the good thing with a with a wedding movie is you can be quite uh, broad about. Um, you know accents and you know, cause obviously, weddings. People come from wherever and kind of come together. So it was, the whole casting was based around who we had as these two um, characters. And I was I was quite keen for the film to sort of make a comment on race and these kind of things. So I, I knew I knew I wanted a kind of fifty year old white man in one role and then a younger um, mixed race boy in the in the uh, kind of victim role. And um, it was quite tricky to find. Um, you know and there's a lot of dialogue in my film with like with long speeches and it was quite difficult to find an actor um, and we actually only got him on we only got him on the day before we started shooting um so it was really we were really up against it um but jay the younger actor had literally just come out of film school uh, sorry uh, drama school and it was his first film um but he's now he's now playing robin or tim drake in the uh, dc titans hbo max show which is crazy so we i think we just really looked out to be honest um
0: yeah, sometimes they're just lucky accidents. Um, So I wonder if you could all give us an insight into the, I guess, scale of your productions and how many people were involved and walk us through a bit about how involved as directors and um, Tina and Alice as co-writers you are and all of the other processes, all the way from, you know, uh, casting to editing to shooting. Do you have your hand in all of it or are you just the all-seeing eye? Alice McKee, I wonder if you could kick us off?
1: Um, Yeah, I think kind of with docs, it's hard not to be involved in like every single part of it. Um, uh, Yeah, I kind of, um, I like did like the sort of initial like casting interviews and then like um, sort of storyboarded it, kind of loosely scripted it. And then uh, pretty much the only thing I didn't do is shoot it. Um, uh, That was May, my DP. But yeah I got I was able to be involved in like the whole process through the edit and everything which was amazing especially because it was through Covid um, and like none of us could be in the same room Um, so yeah I kind of was a bit of a control freak about it.
0: That's sometimes the best way and Lindsay did you have a similar iron grip on your production?
5: Uh, Absolutely yeah Um, we didn't have a a budget for The Mushroom so it's filmed on zero. Um, So a shot by me, edited and uh, directed obviously, and produced by my partner. We only had, I think, five crew. Um, So I had two brilliant uh, landscape photographers who are friends of mine uh, come out for a day with me and we did some drone shots and stuff like that. And then uh, David Railton, who did the soundtrack. So he's another member of the crew. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Oshan, who is actually Owain's uh, grandson, plays the younger version of uh, Owain. So, casting was just um, one day in the afternoon, looking at them both in the yard together, going, hmm, they look very alike, (laughs) you know, and uh, Ashan's a a great artist in his own right. So, um, he was up for kind of, for being on on camera. So, yeah, the whole process, really.
0: That's great. And Tina and Alice, is it slightly different for you as a duo?
3: I guess, yeah, like maybe, I mean, as with often with shorts, with budget constraints and stuff. So yeah, we were kind of like location scouts. Um, we kind of basically did everything. And I think, I, I think where I was fortunate was that because I'd been on some schemes, what that enabled, because I, I think just to take it back a few steps, I think maybe perhaps, and I haven't experienced film school, what you get sometimes appears and that kind of community from that. If you haven't got that, it's kind of a bit more of a, you know, you're trying to navigate, like creating that kind of community. So I think because I've been on a few schemes um, through like BAFTA crew BFI network, for example, uh, and they kind of support your travel, I'd gone to say this event called Cinematography on a Budget. And so I think the great thing about that is it's that bridge. So rather than being unsolicited, I was able to say to one of the cinematographers there, shout out Adam Scarth, who's a gem. Look, I really like admire your work and and also what his kind of morals were. And so that was kind of how I found him. And similarly, my composer was was kind of on that scheme as well. And that's kind of how I found her. And then, like, similarly, with regards to kind of like the editing team, there were people that I really had kind of seen that I was like really interested in their work, but they weren't available. And I said, Well, listen, like, is there anyone that you'd kind of recommend? And also, just kind of looking at other filmmakers' work that you admired, and and they were like, Well, actually, there's this person. And I was like, Oh, cool, they're on my list. So it was kind of a bit like that in terms of like the piecing together of people um but yeah definitely involved in like literally all
0: aspects for sure and that's so nice to hear that those networks were able to support you and Reese, I wonder if you've got any insight into the, these types of challenges networks things like that
4: yeah I was quite fortunate that like um it was the same uh team that I'd used for the two shorts i have done previously um like friends that I've made basically and uh and people who all started from a very kind of with me and we've kind of grown together on each step um so like um and it was quite a daunting prospect like um my my uh uh boyfriend was the costume and production designer and put this all together but the budget was really really slim so we kind of was able to pull it off for under 500 pounds which for three-day wedding shoot is insane so it was like but I was able to lean on people in ways that if I, I wouldn't if I wasn't friends with them or you know people were willing to work harder and this kind of thing so I was just very fortunate to work with um, sort of dedicated people um but yeah it was a bigger production than I've ever done before and it was the first thing I haven't produced myself which was nice um yeah, so like it was, it was interesting to go through kind of a financing structure and how that all works.
0: That's such a cheap wedding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we might have some budding filmmakers in the audience. In fact, I'm sure we do. So I want to give some realistic uh, expectations of what working on shorts to this scale is like. So I wonder if Alice McKee, um, would you be able to talk about perhaps any of the challenges or unexpected things that came up whilst you were filming?
1: Uh, Yeah, Um, I mean, I think the most unexpected thing was literally that it was like the height of like the second spike of COVID and we were filming with like exclusively old blokes Um, and so that was a bit of a um, hassle, especially because I had to be two meters away from my DP at all times, so like the monitor kept cutting out, so I was literally seeing like snatches of what we were shooting. Um, and then it was also like, we had to have screens between everyone when I was interviewing them, which obviously makes it feel really super weird and not like a normal natural conversation like you want it to be. Um, so yeah, there were quite a few things um, <laughs> uh, and it was also on like a shoestring budget, um, but um, <laughs> I'm like trying to think of like a, something like optimistic to say to wrap that up, um, but it got made um, <laughs> and yeah, um, Uh, I think like collaborating with the people around me made it so much easier. Like I had like so many um, just calming people around me Um, and like leaning on people who had skills I don't have and experience I don't have. And like uh, just sharing information kind of like Tina was talking about like um, is really valuable. So it's not all bad.
0: And that's so wonderful again, flagging up this collaborative nature of even shorts. Lindsay, I wonder if you've got any um tales of advice for filmmakers looking to do shorts like this?
5: Um yeah, the same for me, COVID was probably the biggest challenge with this because it was getting access to certain places. Um the biggest and nicest thing is when you're working on no budget was just asking other people for help. And nine times out of ten, if you it's it's a yes. Um little things like I needed to film in an old car and so I, I reached out to tackle tide their local like um historic car museum so I said can I come know, I'll be, I'll be 10 minutes of your time and and um it's like oh, when I'm there would you mind just wiping down the sort of steering wheel and put some gloves on and stuff like that you know but he was more than happy to to help and um uh, this, just the same for any, anything that you locally ask for help for nine times out of 10 it's a, it's a yes and people are willing to sort of help um, but yeah, the, my theme for the film uh, in the editing process was the problem is the solution, because there was so many uh, problems and so many um, things to sort of figure out with the edit, it kind of came step by step. Um, definitely, it was, it was listening to what oh, I was saying and then figuring out what does that look like and, and trying to make that work and um, yeah, getting the access to those things really.
0: <clears throat> That's such a productive way to frame problems. <laughs> and Tina and Alice, I wonder if uh, challenges were big on your production or if you had each other to lean on and everything was fine?
2: I was going to say Tina had something written at the top of her notebook which was very similar to that but I can't remember the exact words but it was definitely about looking for the positive in, in any um, problem, so to find the solution but um, I think you know, we had quite a big team on iTunes for, for a short film. Um, and we were really lucky that everyone that came on board really believed in the film and really wanted it to be the best that it, that it could. And then we could just go off into the corner and run to each other when we, when we needed to. Um, but yeah, I can hand over to Tina.
3: It's hard because it's like 2019 and with like the crazy Rona times and stuff, my brain is also like a, at a slower pace. So I'm really trying to like rack, rack my brains and think what kind of pills of wisdom can I share? Um, i got to be fair, it was quite a slick production. And I think maybe that's because, you know, like Alice has got quite extensive experience as a production manager and then kind of transitioned in that way. So in terms there wasn't and we had quite a lot of locations actually um you know for a short film they do try and sometimes say not to try and like you know dampen the vision but try and keep it more contained and i certainly understand why that's the case now for sure um but uh, yeah i mean off the top of my head I, i'm not really i can't think immediately
2: it took us a long time didn't it Tina? you know like we always say that we like pitched it in 2017 oh no put the fu- put the funding application in 2017 pitched in 2018 shot it in 2019 finished it as as the first lockdown was coming in like we were still we were on our way to the final mix and got the phone call and say you can't come in because of covid and we were just stood in the street in soho um trying to give notes on the final mix and so it was it's a it's a long process um, or it was for us, which was brilliant because it made it made sure that we were able to make the film that that Tina wanted to make, and and that was great. But um, it's it takes it can take quite a quite a bit of commitment and time. Um, but it's just being patient and being able to work through all of those things.
0: And it certainly paid off. And Rhys, I wonder, other than the Rona and a shoestring wedding budget. Is there any challenges that you overcome for this production that may aid a future filmmaker?
4: Uh, yeah, I think, uh, luckily I shot before um, coronavirus came. But um, yeah, my, our big thing was we lost, we thought we'd um, secured a little bit more finance, which would have given us a couple of extra days. Uh, I think the script was 19 pages and we were going to shoot for five, uh, five days, so four pages a day, which is like not too bad. Um, but then that money kind of, yeah that didn't happen and we had, we had to decide whether we were going to go with, through with it or not um so we had to scale back from five days to three days which is for, for that amount of script was quite insane um so the way we overcame it was we decided to shoot over a weekend and because we'd already we going to rent lenses and we already had a baby you know baby legs and a tripod um it would just because it was over a weekend it would just be one day extra rental to get an extra camera so we just doubled up on two cameras um And just gave the other camera to to one of the kind of camera trainees who was there um, as a B cam, because we couldn't afford to pay anyone else, you know. And um, we just kind of made that work, and it meant we doubled up our footage in that same amount of time. Um, It wasn't perfect way to work, ideally, but I think it was a good solution given the kind of you know uphill battle we were facing.
0: And certainly, everyone in the room today has overcame all of those challenges, and so. I guess a thread through all of your films in one way or another is um, quite a probing in different areas. And I was wondering if you had any preconceptions about how audiences might receive your films and if they've been any different or are you totally in line with what you think? And Alice, I wonder if you can uh, kick us off because I certainly shed a tear um, at The Nest. Um,
1: yeah, I think, um... I kind of didn't make it with the intention of trying to make people cry. I wasn't like in the edit, like looking for tearjerker moments. Um, but when I first like showed it to my girlfriend, she cried and I was like, okay, so something's working. Like either that or it was just so bad. Um, uh, but I think I kind of thought people would just think it was funny cause I tried to put as much like humor into it as possible. So then to see loads of people talking about how like they related to it and like it reminded them like their dads and things like that and like um yeah it was like not a surprise I guess but like it was really nice because you kind of watch things so many times in the edit that you kind of forget that it's actually quite emotional um (laughs) what you're talking about so
0: yeah and Lindsay with the Welshman and it's quite a a well-known tale in Wales I wonder if you had any um anxieties about the reception
5: um i did i didn't really have many preconceived ideas about it but uh just before we put it out i did have a few anxieties that maybe it wouldn't kind of land or that people wouldn't be too kind of interested Big just because it had been told you know previously um in different ways um but yeah the reception exceeded what i thought you know i didn't people seem to have latched onto it um and they feel quite emotional and passionate about it as well. Um, or, or it's kind of reignited um, some passion that they that had kind of uh, burnt out a bit. So, yeah, I definitely didn't expect the, that reaction.
0: Definitely. And as someone who had no idea about the history of coming to it, I felt that um, emotional wave throughout, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, Alice and Tina, I wonder if you could talk a bit about I guess, the emotional aspects of what you were trying to bring to the audience and if you felt that from audiences reception.
3: Yeah, I think I was really touched because it's always really nice when, you know, somebody you don't know reaches out to say that they resonated with it in some way. And there was a, um, a beautiful young woman messaged me on Instagram actually and said, you know, this was actually my story um, with, my, with her and her mum and she really felt it Um, and so I think in those moments you feel like the work is kind of done that it speaks to people in ways that they feel like that perhaps it's not seen I think particularly within the gaze of like feminism and what that means and the way that often a certain type of feminism is upheld as being kind of you know radical when actually I think um, women of a certain class positionality are often kind of not visualized in certain ways and so I think for me it was that autonomy of choice actually and the ways in which um, one sacrifices act quite a lot in terms of their loved ones and communities that they actually are quite you know happy in it's just that you know due to the dynamics of patriarchy and and, and different things you know um, but yeah sorry I don't know if I went off on a bit of a tangent but I think I just wanted to lean into that when a stranger reaches out and says that it's connected. For me, that's,
2: yeah, really beautiful.
0: Absolutely. And I think that that's just the power of these short films that they're really able to connect with audiences in even such a short period of time. And Rhys, you were obviously dealing with quite an urgent, but often unspoken um, issue. I wonder if you've had any audience reactions and if you were um, anticipating any specific reactions?
4: Uh, I've, so the film was supposed to come out just before COVID, its first festival um, release, and then it went online on uh, Amazon Prime in in the states, so not here. Um, and so all the only reaction I got was like Amazon comments. Um, so that was quite peculiar because I've never had that before. But some people liked it, some people didn't. So that was kind of so you don't really you're not really gauging. Um, but I've only watched it once with an audience, and that was in Russia, um, and they yeah they were quite offended by the uh kind of frontal male nudity in it um so I, but the film's designed to be extremely uncomfortable and tense so it's very hard for me to get a gauge of if it's working not uh working or not you know when you're in that room at the present because you know it's designed in a certain way so yeah but uh, people's reactions tend to have been uh positive towards it and people have um said they felt, felt it was powerful so um but yeah, it's hard for me to gauge, really, um, without having been there, having seen it enough already.
0: Definitely, and people are probably not lobbying on letterbox that they felt uncomfortable.
4: <laughs> okay,
0: um. So I'm going to up, uh, open up to audience Q&As just in a minute because we've got some really good questions coming in. But I just wanted to give each filmmaker a chance to... Um, I guess say one thing that you want people to come away from watching your short. You've touched on uh, some of the emotive things you were trying to uh, bring out. But I guess if there's just one thing that you want people to take away from your film, what would it be? Anyone can jump in. I don't want to put anyone on the spot with this one. Well, i let you think that over and we can open up to audience q because that is quite a hard one. But what is all this work boiled down into one, one takeaway? So we've had some really excellent audience questions already. And please do, if you're in the audience, continue to send them in because we do have um, 20 minutes. But someone's asked um, if our filmmakers here this evening could speak a wee bit more about the technical details of creating a short. Um, and pitching so we've got some audience members who are looking for guidance and the process of writing and what their next steps might be if they are um, looking to create a short film I wonder if anyone can offer any insight into this process Alice perhaps you've got some uh, insight through pitching I know it's sometimes quite a, a stilted thing to discuss but any help that we can give the audience would be great um, I guess um I I do quite a lot
1: of pitching um generally because I work in development. Um so I guess like I think the thing people kind of um the biggest like mistake people make when they're pitching is like acting like they don't even like their idea (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense um but I feel like people can become really like um self-conscious about their work and their concept and stuff when they're pitching it because it is really scary um uh and um I I find that like the biggest thing I can do that helps me is just like go in with like a, a very like overly self-confident fake it till you make it attitude of like this is the best thing that's ever been thought of um and if you don't make it you're stupid um and that's kind of my attitude towards pitching I didn't, that's probably not the most concrete advice I could offer but it does work I swear very strong advice <laughs> uh
4: yeah I was um I always try and answer like three questions all the way through the pitch which is like like why this? is in like why this project? Why this approach? Uh uh, why now? Like why filmmaking wise, why are you making it now? Why the current zeitgeist, all these kind of things. And also why me? Like, what is your relationship between uh these other two questions? I just try and think of those things constantly um, in my answers to stuff. Um, also in my presentation of the project. Um, must be my approach. oh sorry, oh.
3: Hey, yeah, I think I'm quite a ritualistic person. People probably think I move mad, but I'm like quite into the body and what it means to kind of like prep yourself physically. Um, so I usually do some kind of like movement practice and probably something that's kind of like, you know, in some ways leans into what McKee's saying about <laughs> like that confidence thing where, you know, ultimately it is a really vulnerable position, you know, to be in. Um, and so yeah I'd say some kind of like physical practice for me but also yeah that kind of mental grappling with the fact that like you're there for a reason so just try and smash it basically
0: and Lindsay I wonder if you've got any advice from the rating stage and the practicalities of pitching perhaps where did you go to pitch and how you prepared yourself for that
5: um I don't particularly have much experience with pitching um obviously the Welshman I just made off my own back, but um, I think ideas wise, I think it's important to, um, to not, I think film school, especially put a lot of pressure on um, boxing you in and maybe meeting deadlines, which is good in some ways, but in other ways, it's like, um, I think it's really important to be your authentic self when it comes to ideas and, and, and like um, Ria said that, um, why you why why are you the person to tell this story that kind of attitude and um you know you only you have this certain perspective on it and only you can tell it in this way and are you the right person for that so ideas wise is just um yeah be authentic to who you are you know um pitching wise i can't really comment and i loved all those comments especially alice's um (laughs) about being just yeah overly self-confident and just putting yourself out there is, is it's hard for artists but it's really important so
0: exactly fake it till you make it um and so we have another question from an audience member dylan who asks how do you consider length pacing and structure when it comes to making shorts are there any rules that you have or does it just depend on the project does anyone want to kick us off with the rules of short filmmaking
5: i think it depends on the project as well so obviously short sort of cinematic films would be different to maybe a short documentary lengthwise or structure wise but for me it's more of an instinctive um kind of uh, getting out before people are kind of fed up but but <laughs> but just giving enough kind of thing as well um for Specifically with The Welshman, I didn't make it any longer than 40 minutes because there's so much information that's being told and being thrown at the audience that it's it's hard to hang on to some of the stuff. We filmed for two hours, but it's only a 40 minute documentary um, because you know anything over that just felt like I was losing the audience. Um, so yeah, it's just, for me, it was a bit more of an instinctive decision.
0: And Alice Lusher is a writer and producer as well. Do you follow any particular guidelines, or is it really project by project based?
2: It's definitely project by project based. I think that's always you, you can always dig around and find rules and structural rules and things that you are and aren't meant to be doing. But I think it needs to come from your heart, and especially you know with any project, you need, you need to really you need to really care about the story that you're telling um first and foremost um and some rules are there to be broken and um and i think what was really i don't know if tina, i'm sure tina won't mind me saying this but when we were we had a really interesting development process with itunes because tina's comes from um, dance and an artistic background um and so and like she was saying earlier everything came from uh, comes from an image and it's really heav- heavily influenced by movement so we we had a whole version of the script that was written to different songs, didn't we, Tina? Um, and we, you know, it went. We went through lots of different versions of it before we got to the the version that we've got now, which is got You know, there was a really dialogue heavy version at one time. Then there was it was all just music, and then it, and then both of those got parked. And what we came out with was something that was really light on dialogue, but that flowed together really um, fluidly. Um, so that all came from Tina as, a, as an artist and how and how she works. But yeah, I think it's it's really project
0: specific. Um, Rhys-Alice, I don't wonder if you've got any specific really hard coded filmmaking rules or you're also very much free flowing.
4: I think personally, I think it's best to try and keep it simple and try not bite off too much. I've kind of made stuff that would be like mini features uh, because I wanted to make a feature and I just crammed it down. And I think I think you've got to be quite like hard on yourself and be like, no, actually, just keep it simple. That will have more resonance overall. Uh, that would be my main thing. I don't think there's any rules in terms of structure necessarily. Uh, with this short, I definitely wanted to make something that had a shorter time span. I think that can be very successful in short. Um, but you know, I think the main thing is just try and probably Look, you're looking at one thing you want to try and investigate that thoroughly as opposed to scattering all over the place um yeah.
1: yeah i think like with a doc like it can be a very weird like balancing act trying to structure it because you can't really prepare for it ahead of time um but i think like a good rule of thumb i guess is like uh if you're watching it like look at each sort of scene and or moment and um, if you think it could be taken out and still the film would be essentially the same or if it better like that's it could probably just go like (laughs) just don't be too precious with stuff I guess just try and really keep the best bits um, because once it's gone you won't even remember it.
0: A harsh eye in the (laughs) image. Um, and we have a question from an audience member around resources. So they wonder, what resources did you use to find team members, cinematographers, editors, etc.? A few of you have touched on that in terms of networks. I wonder if there's anywhere, um, if you didn't have those networks, you might find collaborators. Tina, you mentioned some networks that perhaps people could tap into.
3: Yeah so apologies if this is repetition but um, because I said it briefly earlier in the call so I currently still am part of something called BAFTA crew BFI network I'm really sorry but I can't quite remember all of the requirements so if you google it it will come up Um, you know as somebody who does live in Wales um, and there's a lot of production happening here actually so often crew can sometimes be you know not available so I'd say BFI network after crew was was really a great resource for me in order to kind of meet people. um, Which, as I said, was my composer and my cinematographer. So yeah, that's immediately what's kind of sticking
2: with me.
0: I wonder if there's any other networks that you guys have been tapping into that might help aspiring filmmakers to find their their teams.
2: I think when I first moved back to Wales, I just signed up to all the newsletters. So I'd I'd worked for a really long time in, in um, TV. And so I didn't have, it was, and it was a different world, world to film. Then. And then it's kind of merging a bit more now, but I just signed up to film Coming Wales newsletter, BF, BFI Network newsletter, and all of the news, basically all the newsletters I could find, like screen skills, all of them, um, and just gradually got to know what kind of events were going on? Like, Chapter are do, uh, doing quite a few emerging filmmaker events at the moment that they're advertising um, on social media. Um, and um, I think there's Screen Skills are just doing something in Newport as well. So it's for any new filmmakers to go along and network. So, yeah, I, I'd get in touch with Film Company Wales and the FI Network is the first instance. And then there's loads and loads of. You know, because when we were crewing I choose. you know, Netflix, HBO, everybody was shooting in Wales at that time. And so I joined every single production group I could find that has links to Cardiff or Wales or anything else. And there's hundreds of, of, of groups on Facebook and, so, and social media, people always looking to, put, to collaborate. And um, so those are always really good places to start, I think.
0: And we've had a really um, interesting question from the audience in terms of uh, barriers to access, I guess. So they ask, um, people often talk about exploitation of younger, less connected workers in the film industry. Um, Have any of you encountered this as a barrier? Or has seen uh, these types of issues arise? I guess within film production for shorts, you create your own little utopias.
1: I think it's definitely a thing like, um, I work uh, across um, a lot of short films now as a kind of production coordinator. Um, And it's amazing the difference between like people who are coming to it like cold with an amazing idea, but have like never done anything in the industry. Um, They can be a lot less kind of, culturally well off, basically, than um, sort of people who have gone to film school and created a network that way and then had the sort of privilege basically of like always being able to work in and study film. Um, And it just gives you the time to like grow this massive network. Um, And then you can always call on a friend or a friend or a friend to do a favor for you and do mates rates and things. And like, while that kind of is the nature of the business, it does mean that people that don't have access to that don't really have the same privilege and then they don't have the same sort of just little legs up here and there um so yeah that definitely is a thing <laughs> absolutely and
0: I think oh, Alice
2: can I jump in? no I was just gonna say like when I think it was expectation like when I've certainly when I first started out it was an expectation that you had to just go and work for free and earn your stripes and I think that that until very very recently has has been the case and it's not in a healthy environment and I think there's quite a lot of work being done now within the industry of making sure that people aren't expected to go and do work experience for free where they have, you know, they still have to be paying their their bills and it it means that it's only open to the select few but there's still a lot of work to be done and there's obviously always going to be people that want to, you know, are exploiting but I think, think, yeah, there's, there's lots of work still to be done.
0: Absolutely. Um, we have a couple of similar questions around how do you get um, visibility for your film and people to watch your film once it's out there? Reese, you mentioned that you were uh, on Amazon, which sounds quite glamorous.
4: Yeah, it was, um, well, it was like, a, it was supposed to go to South by Southwest that year. And then that was the first thing that canceled. So that was like a trade-off. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I don't, obviously there's now, there are other routes It's quite tricky because you obviously want to send your film to festivals and these kind of things and get them shown, but you can't really do that if you've already put it online. So there's a trade-off whether you want to just get it out there on Vimeo and start sharing it, or if you want to kind of sit with this thing for two years that then goes around to festivals and you get kind of like a build-up of prestige, but maybe not actually that many people are seeing it. Whereas if you shared it originally online and pushed in a different way to social media, actually more people might end up seeing it. So I think it's a bit of a trade-off. I don't really know many other routes um you know to go down other than like the festival strategy for short films there isn't a huge demand for them um obviously you know like uh, i i do tend to see them more as like um like um you know calling cards for examples or things that can be put together in you know um blocks of shorts or these kind of things so yeah, I think from the only route I've ever really gone down is the festivals and after two years trying to get it out. But it is, I do find it difficult to try and get eyes on a short, for sure.
0: And uh, is everyone else sympathetic with the eyes on shorts uh, conundrum or do you have lots of fans on the internet who are being for your YouTube links?
5: I think for me and the Welshman this time around was quite um, something I didn't ever think about to get a short shown was sort of local cinemas and art, and art centres. Um, and the reaction to just asking, you know, do you want to show this film? was so positive. Every, every art centre was like, I mean, I know it helps with the Welshman. It's been shown locally in Wales, and it's a story that, you know, is part of our history. Um, but even that, even some of the art centres were like, you know, yeah, we sh- yeah, we would love to show short films. You know, anything you've got, any, anybody that you know that might be making one, let us know, you know. And they're quite... Um, they're quite keen to see to see more of that and that's not something I ever ever thought you know would, would be sort of possible um so that is one way um this time around that I've been quite sort of shocked by and it's been it's been brilliant to, to see people's reaction you know in the room um is really nice.
3: I think specifically for like I choose because I think our year was the first cohort to have BBC attached to it, correct me if I'm wrong Alice, but I I think we were and in a way I think it kind of ended up working in our favour because it meant you know our film came out in the lockdown so for it to then be platformed on BBC iPlayer meant that it was kind of accessible to audiences in a way that you know conversely film festivals is a contentious one but often the people at those events are a very specific audience because it's very, very focused on the sector, um, which is a, a different audience for many reasons. So yeah, um, I think for me, as I said, it was attached to BBC this, um, this particular time. So it was then amplified on BBC, so
1: yeah. And Alice,
0: how are you getting eyes on the
1: nest? Um, same as Tina, it went out on the BBC. Um, so that was um, quite easy for me. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that was really nice because I think it kind of went directly to an audience who would relate to it, um, the audience with BBC Wales. Um Wales. Uh, and I haven't had like a, f- a festival run or anything around it. So I, yeah, I haven't really experienced um, what the other guys have around trying to get eyes on short films.
0: That's nice, giving alternative pathways on TV and in festivals. So we're coming to the end of this session, but I wanted to round off with um, an audience question, which I think is really nice. What advice would you give to a new new filmmaker just starting out? So if you could give advice to uh, fresh little baby filmmakers, what would you say?
5: Nothing. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> don't become a filmmaker
5: <laughs> I think um, just being persistent and not being um, sort of uh, scared if your if your film doesn't land first time around or um, like we said earlier getting you make you might make a bunch of films and none of them are particularly very good but it's all about sharpening your kind of tool and maybe sort of five ten years in whatever it takes you'll have kind of really kind of mastered that the craft of, of it. Um, and then in the, in the process of doing that, meeting um, other people in production. And um, so yeah, so it's, it's like a stepping stone from make, make one film, and something else will come from it. And then it just kind of goes on and on and on. So it just be persistent, even if you don't think it's very good, or people don't particularly like it, it doesn't, you know, it's all part of um, learning how to make films and get get into the industry. Very strong advice, Reese. you go through your hand.
4: Yeah, I think, I think for me, the main thing is to like find ways to enjoy the process of it because the products is very, you, know, you don't make that much stuff very often, you know, and I think you've got to really not be too product conscious and just get on with the work really and just keep, yeah, and be hard on yourself at a certain point in order to improve, but not, you know, just as, you know, Lizzie says, be uh, persistent and yeah, enjoy what you're doing at least because it, not much of it is rewards. You know, a lot of it is, you know, pretty brutal hard graft. Um,
0: really selling it there. Alice's and Tina, do you have any advice for brand new filmmakers?
3: I think that Lindsay and Reese gave such sound advice there. I just feel like we need to riff off that. But I think, yeah, like and sometimes like, like remove your ego because the only way that you, evolve and develop a sense of craft is by trying you know and not being so like obsessed with notions of perfection which is a load of rubbish anyway so yeah drop the ego give it a go see what happens
1: Yeah, I'm going to, I guess this is kind of going against what Tina just said, but I'm going to say you should be really egotistical um, because uh, it took me a really long time to like learn how to like back myself. Um, And uh, I think once I did, it started like everything just got way easier because you can just say what you think and do what you want to do to a degree. Um, And um, yeah, I think just if you're like just starting out in the industry and you're like in the room, like. It doesn't really matter if you aren't speaking up um and it is like really difficult (laughs) um but um yeah just like backing yourself and um thinking your ideas are quality um is is pretty good good thing to do
0: (laughs) perfect well I think there's been some advice for everyone there I would just like to thank my panel for the wonderful hour that we spent together and thank our audience for being engaged and giving us some fantastic questions. The next event in the series is making a documentary tomorrow at 6pm UK time. You can sign up to watch at events.bafta.org. Thanks for joining us and remember you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions
3: and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.